Hey, how's it going, everybody? This is Rob Turley, the, your host at Down the Rabbit Hole podcast, where we interview the best and the brightest, the disruptors in the, any space that we deem as important enough or interesting enough to actually want to talk about. So really heavily kind of go to, towards sales because right now selling is the most important thing we could be doing, and it always has been anyway. So right now I have our special guest, Phil Gerbyshek. He is awesome. He's been doing a whole lot of public speaking. He's been doing a whole lot of training and coaching in that space. And he is focused, very focused on what happens in the middle. So not the top of the funnel, not the bottom of the funnel, in the middle of the funnel. And I find that super interesting because one, we've never had a conversation like that on this podcast before. And two, most people completely ignore the middle of the funnel. And that's something that my team, so it hits close to home, something that my team focuses on the most because what happens in between and the things that you cannot measure are the most important things in that process because those, part of, those parts of the process are not processes. Those parts of the process are simply just occurrences that are timed, that are strategized, and that are utilized to ensure the highest level of productivity. So please, Phil, introduce yourself uh, better than I can introduce you. <laughs> sure, thanks, Rob. So yeah, I'm the Chief Revenue Officer at Process and Results. So I'm out selling, I'm out training, I'm out coaching, I'm out doing the work. Uh, I'm a player coach, right? And I can't just do one piece of that. And so I do that for our clients, I do it for our business as well. And yeah, if we rewind you know, back, I've sold software, I was a stockbroker, uh, I've you know sold services, so ha haven't really sold a lot of products other than uh, I ha sold high-speed internet, Rob, if you can believe it, back when high-speed was 384K, which is like only five times faster, six times faster than a 56K modem. So yeah, I've, I've played around quite a bit. And also on the other side, I also was a VP of IT. So I've got the technical background and I've got the sales background to match. That's awesome. So. Being a VP of IT specifically, not a CTO, not a CTO, but VP of IT, uh, I'd be interested to hear a little bit, what, what were you doing in that position? I feel like that'd be a nightmare. Yeah, so, well, I handled the customer side, right? So I was one of the VPs that handled, handled the service side instead of the, the kind of the do it side, the operations side, right? Because IT has development, they have operations, and then they have the service side. So I managed that service side to make sure that our customers were happy, right? We would, we, our, my goal was to bring a little sunshine because ultimately, if you can't have people happy, it doesn't matter how good your technology is because they're not going to use it, they're not going to improve upon it, they're just going to complain that it doesn't do what they want it to do that, which is ultimately really you said at the beginning sales. That's the goal. That's the reason we have technology. It's for sales. It's not for tech's sake. It's to enable sales or to serve our customers. Those are the only reasons that you should have technology. It's not to show off. Hey, look at me. I got a big muscle or Hey, look at this great app. No, it's either to enable sales or it's to enable customers, which ultimately enable sales. Right, right. I couldn't agree more with you. And uh, what uh, very few people see to understand or seem to understand rather is that the sale does not finish, especially when you're in like the software world uh, or actually pretty much almost any industry in B2B. The sale is not finished when you close the deal. That sale is, that, that is the very beginning of the sale, but it's really the beginning of the relationship. The rapport was built, the trust was manufactured, and then now it's becoming a relationship because of the trust and the rapport. So that sale that you just made that people call sales is not really the sale. That's just 
the gate has opened into the sale because a sale has everything to do with the quality of service that they get, uh, with what they're getting delivered, with what results that they're getting, um, uh, constantly checking in with them, making sure that they're, that they're okay, keeping you top of mind. And what people don't realize is that people do not buy a product or a service. People buy the journey that we call the buyer's journey. So they are investing in working with you. They are not investing in working with your product or your service. Sure, they need that product or service. There's plenty of choices, but they are buying the ability to work with you specifically. And that is something that needs to be adhered to. And your customers being happy is one of the biggest points of failure that a lot of companies have, where if you have a high churn rate, if you have a low longevity rate on your customers, acquiring, <clears throat> acquiring customers versus upselling current customers and maintaining them is a lot more expensive. Yeah, it's a, and it's way harder too, right? Because once you have a customer, you understand what their problems are. If you develop that trust, right? They'll tell you things that you otherwise wouldn't know and they'll give you referrals. So if you think about it, those, those two purposes alone, if they tell you what their problems are, guess what? You can sell more of your product or service because they're like, hey, Rob, my stuff doesn't do this. Oh, well, we could do that. What would that be worth to you? Okay, well, that's an upsell or cross-sell, right? When they're a new product, if we have it. And then those referrals, where a referral is the best lead you can get. I mean, there's there's garbage, right? There's out there, you might buy a Google ad, right? Somebody fills out a form, that's crap, right? But if you get a referral, a referral is someone who transferred their trust to you and said, I believe that you will take care of my friend. I believe that you will take care of this peer. I believe that you will do what you did for me. And that's super important, man. That, that's your point, Rob. That is the gold, baby. That's the gold. That's what you need to have. And the more of that, it's so more profitable, so much more profitable than yeah. having to track down a brand new lead that's never heard your name before. Yeah, it's called the customer value chain. That's Very right. little more word, surprisingly, shockingly. Um, and a decoupling often helps with that too. If you're decoupling the customer value chain, what you're doing is that you're making it so services are available. Even if you cannot inject your entire services suite to somebody, it's breaking it up into pieces so they can utilize little chunks of it. And then you can upsell them other chunks of it. Look at what Microsoft did. Microsoft sells you, okay, uh, you're using Microsoft Office Suite. Well, that fits really well with, um, you know, uh, having an email platform that does the same thing. You can fit any email platform they currently use in. You can integrate it in. It's not a problem. You don't need to have, you know, uh, a Microsoft Office, you know, email suffix. And you could be you could be using that. That's fantastic. Uh, beyond that, oh, well, if you're doing all this and you're selling more people and it's getting hard to track, uh, it looks like you're going to need a CRM. Yeah, so why not uh, Microsoft Dynamics 365? That's a great CRM. And it fits in with your email really well. It integrates with everything and then your calendar and all that good stuff. But then all, it looks like you need, you know, uh, it, it, internet services. Oh, it looks like you're going to need. So they just keep upselling, 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 upselling. Because when you're happy with it, you want things to start to integrate more and become more uniform from using things that are disconnected. So through decoupling, you're able to build and disrupt to create more uniform solutions that people will be buying from you. Right on, man. I couldn't have said it better, Rob. That is so right on. As far as the middle of the funnel, though. Getting into that, I'm very excited about that subject because how often do you get to even talk about it? No, most of the time, if you talk about it, people say, that's not important. No, I, I don't think about that. Uh, uh, no, I got to focus on closes. Well, I'm not closing. Well, why aren't you closing? Um, hello. But yeah, what would you say are the top three, maybe top five, depending on how you're feeling about it, of the most ignored processes by leadership 
And then the top three or the top five, the most ignored processes by the people actually executing the sales. Wow. So from, from a leader's perspective, they often focus on talk time as a bad thing, right? Like how long did someone talk to somebody else? Oh, we have to have it, you know, certain amount. And I'm not saying too short is good. And I'm saying too long is good. I'm saying it matters what the conversation is. What did they actually say? What questions did they ask? So they, they miss that. They miss that middle conversation piece. They also, I think leaders often also miss the frequency with which those happen. You don't need to have a three-hour conversation over Zoom and flesh out every problem. Instead, it's often better to be more frequent, solve a problem at a time here or there over an email, over a text message, over a phone call, over a Zoom call with a quick, uh, you know, a quick, hey, Rob, you, you asked this question. Let me get back to you real quick and have that answer because most of the time, this, the attention span is short because we have so many things coming at us at once. So I think that's a big miss from a leader's perspective as well. We forget about the frequency and the meaningfulness, right? What, what was the quality? What was the frequency? And then last but not least, we really do need to think about how much across an organization is the conversation. Because, you know, seldom anymore in an organization, more than 10 people does just one person control the whole decision. You have to think about, okay, who all is involved here and have I taken the time to actually demonstrate value to each of these people? So we have procurement, right? Procurement is gonna, is this easy to work with? We might have, you know, the actual end user. Is this easy to use? We might have the administrator. Is this easy enough to administer? We have the person who might be responsible for rolling out. Is this easy to roll out? The training person. Is this easy enough to train? Those are just five of the people that are involved. There's likely more, but we have to understand what's valuable to them because they're all going to weigh in. It's almost like, you know, the old, the old adage about, you know, an elephant, right? If you grab it from five different spots, it feels and looks very different. It does different things. Well, so does your solution. So you have to think about, okay, how does that happen? And then if you're a sales pro or maybe want to be a sales pro, I think one of the biggest mistakes is that we don't listen enough. And I say we because I know sometimes that's my challenge too. I don't just shut up and listen. Tell me about things. And or another big miss is we work off a script. We've got these eight or 10 or 12 canned questions that we've got to ask. And we forget to listen and to pay attention and to veer off that script. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't key parts that you have to have, but you have to also listen because as they talk, most people are going to share stuff that's going to be helpful to you on the back end when you close. They're going to tell you what level of service do they have. They're going to let you know those objections. They're going to let you know, this is what I value. And that way you can really tailor your solution to them. They might talk about their technology tech, you know, oh, well, we, we're all Microsoft, except, well, we've got this one thing. It doesn't play really nice, but that's the most important piece. Well, if you'd have just listened to the fact, oh, they've got all Microsoft and they just have one outlier and forgot that this is an important piece and finding out why, what does it do? Why is it so important? How does it impact your business? Who's responsible for that? If you don't find those out, you get near the finish line and you're going to fumble. 
you're not gonna you're not gonna put it over the line because you're gonna have this challenge that you didn't account for, and it's gonna happen at the end instead of somewhere in the nice middle where we're still friendly and we're not crunched by time and closing and all those other things at the end. Right, right, and it, all of those missing little gaps, that's what's causing the problems most of the time. Most of the time, it's just the missing gaps in the process. And I like what you were talking about um, where listening is so important because it is. They will tell you exactly what the problem is. They will tell you exactly what they need. And I disagree with script writing it all together. I think it's a ridiculous concept. There should not be a script at any given time. There are just little, just bullet points of, we should touch on this, we should touch on this, we should touch on this. The buyer's journey is determined by the buyer if you do it properly. This is something we can learn from the B2C world. They allow you to buy and talk as if you need to so that you can best understand the experience that you're going to have with the product if you actually need it, if you're going to eliminate yourself, if they're going to eliminate you as the provider, um, and if it's the right thing overall. So it's a discussion to be had that's driven by them. If they want to talk about how their marketing uh, team is so inefficient and you're selling something that is, uh, well, I mean, let's use my own company for an example, a sales enablement software. We can actually help with that even though it's sales enablement software. It could be used for marketing as well. So if they, all they want to do is talk about marketing, let them talk about it and then help tell them and tie in how it's going to help improve that. What's one of the biggest problems in the market? Well, MQL to SQL conversion has a pathetic, absolutely pathetic conversion ratio of 1%. That's disgusting. Those are warm leads that marketing has been talking to forever and ever and ever for all time. Uh, and they're like, wow, yeah, I know these guys are engaging all the time. They're opening all the emails. Fantastic. Let's pass the sales because now they're ready. Uh, how come 99 out of the 100 that you just passed over are a complete and total failure? 99% of the time spent speaking with the people that they pushed to the sales team is literally garbage. It's waste. You threw it out. You're lighting money on fire. How can we improve that? That's the ultimate question. How can we improve that? And how can this technology improve that process? And how can it help bridge the gap between those two teams so they start communicating more? Because marketing lives in their own fun little marketing imaginary world of engagement is driven by impressions and likes. Okay, not really. The ultimate goal here is to make a sale. We're not getting performance there. What's going wrong? Well, everybody's engaging and we got tons of followers. Okay, great. So you're telling me what they're actually telling you, which most people don't know, is that we have engaged with and built a community around a group or a demographic of people who will never buy something. They're just simply interested in it. Interest doesn't pay the bills unless it's unless it's compound interest. And that is not how marketing works. Just a little fun fact. Marketing, marketing interest does not create create compound um, you know, profit. That's it, not, it's not a it's not a loaning program. It's an engagement program. If they're not engaging with you, intent is not interest. They call interest intent all the time. Someone downloads a white paper, downloading a white paper is not intent to buy. Oh, yep, nope, they're qualified. They downloaded the white paper. We should have a salesperson reach out immediately. No, they just wanted to see what the hell the white paper said because it was relevant to them. How does that have anything to do with intent? Intent to what? You know what they did have intent. They had intent and executed on downloading the white paper. <laughs> There's the intent. So what can we do to improve that process? That's the question. That's everything that's happening in the middle. What leads to something else? Seeing things as a network. If I do this, how's it going to affect that? If I contact this person on their birthday, 
how is that going to affect the way that they think of me and feeling cared for? If I contact somebody after they just had a kid, ask them how their kid is, how their wife is and everything like that, don't even try to sell them. It's the stuff that's not even measurable. You don't want to put that in your CRM. You literally just, you, you know, you, you, you tell them, I see you. I see you as a human being and I want to connect with you and I want to help with you and build a relationship. That's what you're portraying. And those are the things that get missed all the time. It's just sell, sell, sell all the time. But that's what the CFO and the CRO are jamming down your throat. Sell, sell, sell all the time. Little do they know is that there's a lot of little discrepancies and, and tiny little nuggets in there that are not part of sell, sell, sell all the time that humanizes you. People buy from people they like, trust, and can relate to. I've said that a million and a half times, and I will say it a million and a half more times. People buy from people that they like, trust, and can relate to. If you're not fitting those criteria, they're going to use a competitor simply because they had a better experience. It doesn't matter if your product is superior or not. No one gives a shit how good your stuff is. Just like people who talk about features, has this feature, that feature, that feature. Every single person on this planet has features. Like, shut up, no one cares. Oh yeah, I have that feature on that platform. Oh yeah, multi-user management. Whoa, there's no way I would have bought this unless I knew there's multi-user management. Well, yeah, every platform is multi-user management. Whether it's a feature that one platform has or doesn't, they all have features. No one gives a shit about the features. That's explaining the what. No one cares about the what. They want the why, the how, the when, and the where. And then the what's in it for me is the what that they want ultimately after the rest of those have been explained to them, right? For sure, man, for sure. It's so funny. I, I always teach that connection starts with happy birthday. It's funny that you mentioned that because I can tell you everybody has a birthday or a special day to them. And I say that not joking, meaning some people don't care about their birthday. They hate celebrating it. But if you can find out their most important day, you can call them and have a conversation with them on their day. Call them. Don't send them a message on LinkedIn. Don't send oh, them a do Facebook not message. Send them a mess I couldn't agree more. Sorry to interrupt, but like sending me happy birthday over LinkedIn or over my Facebook or something like that please refrain from doing it unless it's on my Facebook wall or something like that where it doesn't inconvenience me. Now my entire inbox is just flooded and loaded where I have to pick out all the happy birthday nonsense bullshit in there. And then it becomes a super, super extreme headache for my um, you know, um, near to distant future of just sorting through all that crap. So do not do that. If you're going to send it to me, send it to me in a text message or call me because that's more personable too. It's not just, it's this person's birthday today with an automatic notification. And then you just like click the auto happy birthday. And then it just sends it. Then it's just, it's spam. The real care comes behind the thought behind it is that you took your time out of your busy day to call them on their birthday or leave a voicemail or send them a text message. Yeah, not not only is does it show you care, it helps you stand out. Here's the thing. I've got, you know, I've been on LinkedIn forever, so I've got 13,000 some connections. Out of those connections, if I get five phone calls on my birthday, I'm shocked. And those phone calls are typically my brother, my mom, my dad, right there. No business contacts. And I speak about this. I train about this. I teach this. If you want to stand out, pick up the telephone. Pick it up and say something relevant. And then next year on their birthday, you've got something more relevant. And in between there, hopefully you've built enough value. Maybe the first time you call, they don't know who the heck you are, so they send you to voicemail. But then they listen to it or they see the transcription if they if they like to transcribe it, because some people don't listen to voicemail, right? But they'll see it and they'll be like, oh, that's nice. That's kind, that's generous. I didn't know who you were, so I didn't answer the phone. But the next time you call, Maybe you follow up with, hey, Rob, did you get my birthday message? Well, you're either going to say, yep, or no, I don't check voicemail. Okay, cool. I put that in my CRM. 
talking about the middle, right? I put that in my CRM. Rob doesn't check voicemail. Well, we'll stop wasting your time then trying to leave a great voicemail message. If Rob doesn't check them, don't waste your time. But if he did, Rob, what'd you do for your birthday? So Rob, I gotta ask you a question, man. What do, do you have a favorite dessert that you celebrate your birthday with? Well, I don't celebrate my birthday, but um, if I do oh. have a favorite dessert for like special occasions. Yeah. Um, What's that? Is, hmm. Oh yeah, it would be like one of three things, but uh, I like a good creme caramel. That's the, my favorite that I make personally. Um, but otherwise, when it's made for me, probably baklava for my my grandmother or my my city. Awesome, awesome. So so imagine though that you had a baklava from a local place that you loved because you're fortunate, right? That you know you get that homemade baklava. That's I'm sure way better. But if not, right? Let's say you were traveling. You're on the road for your special day, and I knew you're on the road. I might, you know, and I sent you some baklava, you'd eat it. And if it was good, you'd remember that. And I'd call you up two weeks later and say, Rob, did you get the baklava I sent you? And you would think nice of me, think, hmm, that Phil, he actually listened. He actually listened and actually delivered something of value to me and celebrated because you just said it's not your birthday. Mm -hmm. You've got other special days. I found out what that special day is. I sent it to you. And now... To your point, now, no, like, trust, relate, because guess what, Rob? My favorite thing is my birthday, but my favorite cake is actually carrot cake. Oh, I love a good carrot cake. Right? Love a good carrot cake, and now we're relatable, and now we're talking about dessert. And now when I call you, you're not like, oh, crap, Phil's going to call me to sell me something. Nope. Phil's calling to deepen that relationship. Let's talk about Rob's baklava. Let's talk about Phil's carrot cake. And yes, of course, at some point, of course, we talk about business. I called Rob at work. I didn't call him at night at home on his home phone, right? Not that he has one anymore, right? But some people do. Or wasting your time at 8 o'clock at night. No, no, I called you during the day, during the workday with a solution that I think could help you and to deepen that relationship. And now let's talk. Way, way more effective than just the, hi, Rob, here's my value proposition. It's like, no, yep. dude, that stop. That doesn't work. Yeah. No, no, no. It's not good. It's not good. I mean, cold callers who call me, let's say if it's the first outreach, if they called me and their opening is damn good, I give them the benefit of the doubt, even if I don't have time, because if they really do impress me with that approach, I literally say, I'm like, hold on a second. You did a great job. Just know that right now. Holy shit. That was incredible. I'm giving you my time. Of the I tell them straight up. I'm giving you my time of the day because that cold call was freaking glorious and I respect it. So I know what it's like to cold call. That's why. And I have sympathy for that. But if you're able to do it at that point where it impresses me, I'm talking to you. I'm yeah. Talking. And it doesn't open up with, hey, uh, we, I'm from this company selling these services, blah, 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 blah. I just don't even know. You won't have the time of day. Nope. No, sir. Nope. And then if they keep calling you back after doing something like that, it's awful. That's when you pick up and go, better home and gardens. How can I help you? Like, you know, like <laughs> you just make up something. I like doing that. If you'd like to make a call, please hang up and try again. If you need help, please dial your operator or press one for more options. <laughs> and then some, some of them actually press one. You hear like the little dial tone thing and then I hang up on them. So yeah, but at that, after you say please hold and then you just hang up and uh, they're, they're holding. Uh, but yeah, no, it's just, don't, don't, be a, don't be a dummy and don't be a dick when you're uh, cold calling people. Yeah. Don't try to sell. Uh, selling isn't in selling. If you're trying to sell a product or a service, you're not going to sell a thing for, the, for your entire life. You're going to be a really shitty salesperson. What you're selling is the ability to work with you and you're selling them a solution and you're selling them the journey to buy something that is ultimately going to help them. We need to do yeah. to that.
Yeah, yeah. I love what you're saying. Well, I, I'm now expecting a, uh, a baklava. <laughs> so um, now you expect a carrot cake. Now that we know that we got to do this, um, that'll be fun. Why not? Uh, but yeah, no, th this is great. I think that top of mind is one of the most powerful things that you can give anybody. It shows that you truly do care and showing that you care is showing more than almost anybody that they speak to in the business world. It's showing that you have empathy, you have sympathy, and that you are a real human being who recognizes them as a real human being who is also important to you. Absolutely, it's validation, man. Yeah. And that's ultimately all we want, right? We want to be seen. We want to be heard. We want to be validated because frankly, sadly, many times we're not by our bosses. We're not by our peers. We're not by many of our customers, right? Whoever we serve, whatever we do, we may not be by our spouses or significant other, probably are not by the government. So if somebody actually takes the time to listen and to validate and to say, you know, Rob, you're not crazy, man. I understand. Tell me a little bit more. People are like, holy crap. But you have to cut through that, right? And you actually have to care. This is and not it a needs to sound box, genuine, right? Like you're saying, you yeah. have to sound genuine. It's like, oh yeah, no, no, you I have totally to be genuine. Or, Forget about sounding genuine, or, or yeah. like agreeing, like, oh yeah, absolutely, I understand. If that doesn't come off as genuine, it, it in the context that it isn't, it sounds like you're being sarcastic, or you're telling them that that you don't give a shit. That's right. Yeah. Well, I would I would go one step further. Right. Don't sound genuine. Be genuine. Like actually be interested. Listen to what they have to say. Really give a crap about them. It's not about sounding that way, right? It is about being that way. You have to be that person that actually does care. Do you really want your customers to win? If you don't, why not? What's wrong with you? Why are you doing what you do? Well, you're and in the wrong you line do, of work. Yeah, yeah. If you do, then great. Then you're going to win more often because not everybody cares, right? And if somebody says, man, this job sucks. I hate this. You know what? I could make it a little bit better. That's why I called you. Really, I'd like to help you. It sucks, I'm sorry, that sucks, let's talk. No problem, but if somebody's real happy, then be happy, right? Be happy for them, I'm so glad. You sound like you're having a great day. Oh yeah, I am. Well, what's what's so great about it? Tell me about your day, man. What, what does that have to do with selling? Everything, everything. Yeah. Yeah, I like to open up conversations with like, oh my God, you can't, you can't even believe what I was dealing with today. Like if something was ridiculous for the day, I'll just tell them a quick story about what I just dealt with that was absolutely like preposterous. And they go, oh my God, that's crazy. You know, like, wow, that's, uh, I, I couldn't imagine. Or, oh, I totally get it. Where it's either you intrigued them or you just became relatable. Yeah. Yeah. Relatability try to, really matters. Don't try to be that guy that's trying to impress everybody because nobody likes that guy. No, that's right. People hate that guy. Yeah, exactly. So companies that only talk about themselves, let's say it's like, oh yeah, if, if I said white rabbit this, white rabbit that, white rabbit this, white rabbit that, no one cares. It's like sales, I tell people, it tells people all the time, it's like dating. That's why the middle of the funnel is so important because sales is like dating. Right. If you go on a bad date, they're not, you're not going to be able to propose to them. The sale, when, they, when it closes, that's the proposal. Do they say yes or no? So you're, you're dating, you know, first you start out with some conversations, you become friends, you may meet a couple times, you're talking about some stuff, just kind of shooting the shit, more general stuff. And then once you get to that next step where you're talking about each other, you're starting to plan things out, I could see you in my life, blah, 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 that type of stuff. Then you're getting to the point where you could start pitching the product in and say, well, what problems do you have? Okay, let's sort that out. Um, let's see how we can we can make ourselves better. How can we have the best possible relationship here? And how can we move this forward in the best way uh, with the best intentions? 
And how you're going to do that, that's when the pitching starts coming in. But if you start working as a solutions architect of, okay, I see these problems that you have. Let's walk you through the process. Let's find out where the holes are. And then let's fill those holes with rubber cement for now. But then we can we can lay a new foundation after that once we add the solution to it. So driving that value by doing that. And then once everything all checks out, their family's okay with you. Both sides of the family are going to giving it a thumbs up and everything's all good. And a lot of the problems are solved and you're finding out more and more about each other. That's when you, you propose. If you did not prepare for the proposal well enough, or you did not discover what they need enough or build that relationship strong enough, then they're going to say, no, this is a little fast. And then not want to talk to you anymore because it becomes awkward. So if they say yes, you're now married to them. Now you need to consistently deliver that and keep the customer happy or keep your wife or husband at that point happy so that they don't end up in a divorce, which would be a churn. Winning more customers that stay for life has to do with targeting, has to do with conversations. It has to do with genuine approach and care, and it has to do with their entire buyer's journey experience beyond the close. Right on, man. That's so very true right we have to we have to keep that going we want to have multiple relationships with them we want everybody in their conversation to be happy everybody in their organization to be happy and we want you know little little children right uh, little spin-offs if you will right little upsells little cross sells little things like that we want to solve as many problems as we can or be the trusted person so that when we say hey you know what we're thinking this might solve this problem are you willing to give it a try they trust you they say yeah, okay let's see what that looks like I'm not sure, but if you haven't done the prep, if you don't solve all those problems, somebody else will. Somebody else mm -hmm. will, and you want to be trusted, right? You want them to trust you. You can't say, hey, trust me. No, that's not how that works. That's not a checkbox. Oh, trust. Yay, done. No, no, no. Over and over, right? Keep your promises. Appointments at 4.30. We're going to be here at 4.30. Trust right? is earned and maintained. Every day. Every interaction. Absolutely. Yep. I had a um, an experience uh Oh, was it this week? No, it was this past week where I was speaking to a prospect. It was kind of late in the night for me because I'm on the East Coast. He was on the West Coast uh, talking to him. And uh, he, uh, it's upfront contract is very important. So when you talk to someone for the first time and you're meeting with them, let's say over video, number one, always have your camera on because people read body language. The end. Fact. The end. Uh, so they could see how genuine you are. Otherwise, you're just a voice on the Internet, which you could be anybody. I mean, it could be a serial killer. You don't know. Or it could be a prank call. Uh, but anyway, <clears throat> what I was doing, I was talking to this guy, and um, I said, well, what is your ideal outcome from this meeting? What are we working at here? What would, what would be the best possible result of this meeting? And he said straight up, he's like, honestly, I just want to learn more about your product. I'm not trying to sell you. I don't want anything to do with that. I want to know if it can help me with my sales strategy. Straight up. I said, okay, great. This is going to be an easy pitch. So walking him through it, explaining to how it works, I have a really complicated product. But what happened was that he understood it. I told him about 35% of what it did. He filled in the rest of the blanks. First person to ever have done that. I was like, holy shit, you're the guy. Um, but we started talking about it, how it could solve things, different creative ways to use it, the versatility, how it's going to help those different aspects of the company, where it's going to help drive, uh, how, it's, how it's going to help uh, repair some of the some of the broken uh, pieces of their sales process, of their data logging practices, of their marketing and advertising practices, of their targeting and of their, their execution. That's great. Started talking about all that. He got so excited about it. And then we started shooting the shit, just talking about fun stuff and how people have no idea how to, you know, whatever it was. Um, and then at, at the end of it, he said, you know what? I love this. Listen, 
Um, I'm an angel investor. And if you have any uh, equity, I would be more than happy to invest in this after piloting it because I, I am so in love with this technology. If it does what you say it does, which I know it does, uh, that, you know what, uh, I would want to invest and whatever you have open, I will throw money at it as long as he's like, I'm willing to throw, uh, to invest anywhere between a hundred thousand to a million dollars. Don't even care. I was like, okay, great. That's cool. We're not looking for investors at the moment, but that's good to have. Um, but th the second part, and then I said, no, now he wants to give me his money even more if I need an investment later. When you tell an, an angel investor, no, they want to invest more because you don't need it. And th they cannot stand not getting what they want. Um, fun fact for people. But what that led to is that, listen, I'm part of this other company. We have a parent company and that parent company has 46 sister companies like mine. If we get great results after the first month, I see no reason not to adopt this across all 46 companies. All because of that approach that we were talking about, Phil. It doesn't suck, man. That's really awesome, right? You open that up, kind of in the middle, you open that up, right? Instead of a, instead of presuming that they want that crappy same sales pitch as everybody else, you open up familiarly, you ask some questions, right? Hopefully you did, again, you did a little bit of prep and you ask some, some open-ended questions that are, that are show you're interested instead of just showing your, showing, oh, here again, throw, showing up and throwing up. Show up and try to add some interest to the conversation. If they value that, cool. If you ask them, I love your question, man. What, what would, you know, what, what's your goal, right? What, why would this, what would make this a successful call? Or, you know, what make this a home run for you? What make this a slam dunk? I mean, find the metaphor that works for the person you're talking to and then deliver on it, right? And then ask the question, hey, was, was this, you know, did I meet your expectations? Were there other things I didn't ask? You know, James Muir talks about in his perfect close. The perfect close is, so what do you think the next step is? Well, it's pretty simple, right? I mean, because if you do a good job of that middle, the deal will get commitment itself because you'll have solved for what they need to solve. And if in the middle you didn't, they'll say, uh, well, I've still got more questions. Okay, well, we got to set up another meeting then, right? We got to spend more time together, wh whatever it is. But the goal is is the middle and the deals will close themselves. You don't want to, you know, the, the doorknob close and the Ben Franklin close and all those crappy closes. Get out of here. You don't have to do any of that crap. And you can't solve close. a problem. You don't close the deal as the seller. The buyer decides to close. It's not up to the seller. You say, oh, I need to close more. No, you don't need to close more. You need to, to prepare people and build relationships more effectively so that they close more. You'll close more deals when they decide to close the deals. So it's up to them. It's the, like it's, like I said, I say this over and over again because people just don't understand this concept and I beat it into people's skulls. The buyer's journey is everything because based on that journey is them who are going to decide saying, yes, I want this and then pay you the money or sign the contract and that's the close. You are not in control of the close. The customer is in full control of the close. And as soon as people come to realize that and accept it, your performance will increase. Yeah. Def definitely customers customers in control certainly though you help them that's the mm -hmm. middle piece but that's your job closes because the customer saw enough value in the solutions that you proposed to say yes it makes sense you solved enough questions you answered enough questions you delivered enough value that the deal can close but that's why you got to focus on the middle instead of on the beginning and the end yeah, the beginning's good. I mean, but if you just get some nice quirky little intro or something like that, you can kind of nail that down really easily. It just depends on the type of person that they are. I mean, we use psychographic analytics for that, so it's really easy for us. But um, that that's it's kind of like cheat. It's turning um, a, approach like outreach and cold approach uh, into a mathematical equation, like a perfect mathematical equation. So for us, it's like a, a piece of cake.
And then the close, that's easy too, because it's just them making the end decision. Everything in the middle is actually the hard part. Uh, making sure that, that you, you touch all the points that they need to hear, but letting them lead the conversation. All you do is guide them along the path where you shouldn't bring them back. This is the agenda. We need to be talking about this. No, your script, if there is a script, you may only make it through maybe 10% of it. The rest of it is up to them and it's critical thinking that's gonna get you there. How can I talk to this person, talk about their issues and, and actually solve uh, or come up with a solution on the spot of how it will affect the direct thing that they're talking about, not just what I have to offer. What you have to offer is great and all, but what are you gonna do to solve the problems that they have with that offering? And if it's something that's not the usual case, but it will work, tell them how, break it down. Break it down, take them through the path, have them tell you what each step of the way means to them and how they do it, and then inject the solution in there if there are gaps, fill the holes. So it's like, just take them through that journey. It really is a journey, and it really is taking them step by step, breaking it down, have them recognize their own problems. After they recognize their own problems, say, we could do this to solve it. Now, what's the next step in that process? Break it down. Okay. Uh, okay. Well, we could do this to solve that. And then what does that lead to? What would it mean for your team? Oh, an increased morale in your salespeople. Fantastic. So what would that do for your sales? I mean, they would perform better, right? Because they have a higher morale. So they're going to have more confidence going into it. And confidence is king in the sales world. Um, it's just so on and so forth, all those things. And then your cost of customer acquisition goes down because less time is spent uh, pedaling backwards. It's all that good stuff. And it's something that people really need to improve on. And that's why I love having you here, Phil, because it's just, this is what you do. Yeah. Thank you, Rob. Yeah, this is what I do, right? And I think this is what everyone can do. If you take the time to really converse and connect with people, you really take the time to relate to them as they are. You do the time, you do the research ahead of time to understand what might be some of the problems. You have those conversations, you review notes, right? If I've talked to 117 CFOs this week, and this is what they said, when I called 118th, I can legitimately say, you know what, I've talked to 100 people a lot like you, and this is what they've said the problems are. Are you experiencing this too? Talk to me about how you're, how you, how are you solving for those problems? And they might say, nope, you know what, I'm good on those. Or they might say, yeah, I'm having those problems and this. Well, let's talk about that. Let's see what happens here. The more we can uncover problems, the more we can uncover opportunities. Problems are really opportunities. They're not really objections even, right? They're problems that turn into opportunities because frankly, if you don't know the why, well, they're not helpful, but you find out the why in the middle, in the conversation, and that's really how you can get started. Yeah, that is, what have you done to solve that? Well, if they answer that question and they have that problem, it looks like they have not solved a single thing. That's always a fun one for me. So what have you what have you done to solve that? Oh, well, we did this, 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 and that, that. and how did it turn out? Oh, well, this happened. It's like, well, is that the outcome you wanted? Oh no, we wanted like this and that. It's like, so is that the correct solution for you? I never thought of it that way. Okay, yeah. Just because it's better doesn't mean it's fixed. Right, absolutely, absolutely. We have to remember that, right? Better doesn't always mean fixed and fixed is technically in the eye of the beholder, right? Because what you need fixed might not be what I need fixed, might not be what fixed somebody else. So find out what does fixed look like for your prospect, for your customer? Right, and you resell them because fixed fixed could change. Right to your point about the back to the beginning of the Microsoft solution, I might have only needed email, but now to fix, now I need a CRM. Now I need a document management system. Now I need you know a presentation platform. Now I need X, Y, or Z. Right, but find out and keep finding out 
does that solve the problems you need? What other problems are you having? How can I serve you even more? Yeah. Well, yeah, there, there's fix, there's solve, and then there's supplement. Adding those services, that would be supplementing, supplementing to solve an issue. So it's supplementing for a solution. You can solve for a solution, and then you can also fix as a solution. So there are, there are three different spectrums of that based off of what it means to them. Um, I think yep. people stuff. I've done like workshops on it. Um, there are different things that people are trying to do. Uh, fixing is usually taking something that exists as it is. And what you're doing is that you are manipulating it in order to solve it. So you're changing and moving the, the, the pieces around that make up that issue so that it's functioning at a more efficient or effective rate. Uh, when it comes to solving, that usually means that it's an issue that they have not been able to solve, that they don't know there's an answer to, and that would usually end up around like the data space or the engineering space or something like that. So solving the problem that cannot be solved by just moving things around or through process. It would be through product or it would be through technology. Uh, when you get through to the, um, well, moving over to the supplement to solve, supplementing to solve means that you have this pain point and you currently don't have any way to take care of it. And you need to use an existing product or service or technology out there in order to house that data or do that process because before there was no actual process to get it done. So you're adding to it because it didn't exist. So I don't know if that means anything to you, Phil, but that's just something that I, I teach. No, about. I think that's that's interesting. That's the first I've heard it explained that way, Rob. So I'll have to think more on that, but I, right, it makes I just, sense. Right? I invented it, so I would hope so. <laughs> Well, it's good stuff, man. It's good stuff. Sure. I have to think more on that. Yeah, well, we are running out of time here. I'm sorry to tell you that, but it's been a lot of fun. Phil, um, I'd love to do a workshop with you with people someday. That yeah. would be awesome. Um, and then anybody who's listening, yeah, of course, come because it would be really awesome talking about how to actually manipulate and, and uh, positively integrate new and effective processes into the middle of the pipeline. What does that look like? What can be done? That could be really cool. Uh, I don't know if you'd be into that, but I, I think it'd be fun. Yeah, let's talk about it, man. Let's keep it going. Yeah, and then uh, definitely another one too. Uh, I'm going to be appearing on Phil's podcast at another time too to pretty much tear apart the marketing industry. So that'll be a lot of fun for everybody to listen to. And rebuild it, and rebuild it. We're not just oh, yes, gonna and rebuild it too. Yep, that's the point. We don't break anything down unless there's going to be a solution that follows. <laughs> that's right. It's just the way Phil and I are. But um, Phil, thank you so much for being on here. My pleasure. Thank you very much. Yeah. It's great to be here. Yep. So thank you, everybody who's listening. Uh, really appreciate it. Always a pleasure uh, to serve you folks who are, I guess, smart enough to listen to this podcast because there are so many valuable little gold nuggets in there. Anyway, I'm your host, Rob Turley, co-founder, co-CEO at White Rabbit Intel. And uh, it's a pleasure, as always. So thank you so much. And we'll talk to you later. If you enjoyed this episode, follow Down the Rabbit Hole podcast for new episodes weekly on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Pandora, and YouTube. If you'd like to apply to be featured on the podcast or recommend a featured guest, please feel free to email us at the team at whiterabbitintel.com.